Welcome to Rams Iconic. I'm your host, DeMarco Farr, and this is the podcast where I get to catch up with some of the greatest players in Rams history. It's a chance for you, the fans, to take a trip down memory lane, reminisce about some of the greatest moments you've had as Rams fans, but also an opportunity to introduce to some of our newer fans the iconic players that have made this franchise what it is right now, what it is today. My next guest embodies all of that. He's one of the all-time greats, and I don't just mean in horns with the Rams. I'm talking NFL all-time greats. Seven-time Pro Bowler. He was a mainstay, and I think we need to change the word mainstay to this guy's first name because he embodies mainstay. He's a mainstay on the Rams offensive line for 20 seasons, 20 years, people. In 2001, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Please welcome in the iconic, the man, Mr. What in the World, Jackie Slater. Big Jack, how are you, you, man? It's good to see you. Yes, sir. Good to see you, too. Good to be seen. It is good to be seen, man. It really is good to be seen. I I can tell you I've been watching you and listening to you do a fantastic job and and I think sometimes it's hard to imagine how that guy who used to get up the field so quickly as a defensive tackle is doing so beautiful a job of, of uh, talking about our team and, and our players and giving us a real a lot of insight into what's going on with the organization. Well, I used to get up the field only on the defensive right when I was away from you. <laughs> <laughs> I paid a hefty price for trying to get out the football on your side of the line, Jackie. <laughs> we had some good times, didn't we? We did. We did. What are you up to these days? What's going on? What's well, Big Jackie you know, up to? Well, I'm just uh, resting now, man. It's been uh, it's been a turbulent year, you know, as you know, for everybody. Not only the the, the, the local football team, but you know, those of us who have been covering the team, those of us who are just you know trying to trying to live in a society right now that's uh, got so many things coming at us. You know, it's. Uh, you know, the social unrest that we're dealing with. I mean, the pandemic, it's, it's just a lot going on. And and I find myself in uh, a few different categories relative to this virus. So I have to, you know, just make sure I'm trying to do everything that all the professionals are advising us to do, you know, so that I can keep myself and my family safe. You know, I, we, we were talking about the, the current players and what they're going through. I guess the age of social unrest you played in the 70s 80s 90s and into you know the the aughts basically so what was that like playing in the 70s as a young player you came in in 1976 the world this country was a lot different in 76 what was it like for you back then well it it was different and uh but the common ground that i that i seek to that i sought to to find it, 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 it was the reason why I was in California to begin with. And that common ground was interacting with people who had the same goals that I had. Uh, and that was to play pre- professional football, to have a career, to be on a good football team and to be a good teammate. And so, you know, unity in that arena, uh, it did a lot for me. And I think it did a lot for everybody on our team at that time as we, dealt with so many uh, issues that were going on around us and outside us. It, it, things have gotten a lot better, believe it or not, in light of <clears throat> some of the things that we've seen recently. Uh, they could be a whole lot worse, and I can tell you I've seen worse. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just the unity that we had and the unity that, 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 um, that 
made us all work toward a common goal that what that allowed us to really lay many of our differences aside. Yeah, it's, it's and weird. I, and I, and yeah. I can tell you relative to yeah. my teammates, DeMarco, just like with you, my teammates from that era, you know, like some of them are like brothers to me. And uh, we still have these really good relationships. You know, it's funny, Jack. Um, I, I never noticed what a guy looked like or what his skin looked like until we looked in the mirror. When we're out there, we're on the same side. It's you know, exactly. blue versus whatever. But, you know, it's 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 what happens when you leave the building is when real life starts, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. And then that, that was the world in which I I lived yeah. in. You know, I, I, I in a way, sports was a safe haven for me because, I, as you know, I grew up in the state of Mississippi. I was in the public school system when they forced integration there. And it was Ooh. a turbulent time. But wow. but still, during those times, there was – there was unity to be found and there were, there were people who were inclusive. There were people who, you know, did their best to, uh, you know, get along. And, and those were the people that I always found myself gravitating towards those who were accepting, those who uh, were open and those who were, you know, working towards the same goals that I was working towards. I remember walking through the door the first day, a, a bunch of a, a group of rookies and we're asking a bunch of questions like, what is it to be a pro? How do you be, how do you stay in the NFL for, for, for more than two years? And they wouldn't tell us how. They would just point at you. Do what he does. <laughs> do whatever. Do everything he does. 259 games, Jackie. 20 seasons in the National Football League. Did, did you ever think you would play that long? Was that a goal of yours when you started? I want to play 20 seasons? No, no, it really wasn't. Uh, I, I, my goal was to play as long as I could and to be as good as I could for that period of time. And that, that was what I sank my teeth into. Now, one of the things that had me <clears throat> always concerned about me accomplishing those goals, at least the ones relative to long-term longevity, was the way that I worked, the way that I practiced. I mean, I, I, I felt like you wanted to practice the game the way you wanted to play it. And so, you know, you and all of the other teammates that I had will probably remember that I practiced and hit and as hard and worked as hard as anybody. And I always in the back of my head would wonder, you know, I wonder if this is going to shorten my career because I'm nobody else is doing all this banging and running and hitting and looking for opportunities to, you know, mix it up like me. And I wonder how this is going to work. Well, <clears throat> as it turned out, you know, I was, I was uh, fortunate enough to be injury-free, major injuries that would stop you from mm -hmm. playing. And, and you know, I, I, I played the game even at an older age the way I always wanted to practice it. And I think that that was a big part of my success over the long haul was just consistently practicing playing the game. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what's funny, um, Sean Gilbert, was there when I was a rookie. Jimmy Jones had just come over from Dallas. Mark Boutte was oh, a holdover from the We were loaded. We were loaded. Those dudes. Fred Stokes was a great guy. That, yeah. That, he, Fred Stokes was a guy that brought us together, all the rookies, because we were fighting everybody or trying to fight everybody that day. And he said, hey, look, man, you're here to make it in the NFL, not just here, but the NFL. So work on your craft. But I remember my first rep, and I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I got to get into the story since you brought it up. <laughs> my first rep in one-on-one, -on -one, the pass rush, the, the big deal, offense and defensive line getting together. My first rep was against you. I'm not even sure if you remember. You're a starter. I was like three or four on the depth chart. So that means Jackie goes against the starter. Then he sits out. The backup comes in and takes on the backup. Then Jackie comes back in to take on the rest of the threes and the fours, which is me. <laughs> I, I ask me how many reps I've taken at defensive end in my life. Probably zero. zero. None. 
So I'm, I'm looking at George Dyer, the, D, the, the D-line coach, and he was the D coordinator. He said, I, what, what do you want me to do? I want you to win. Go out there and try to beat Jackie. Great. I come off the football. I'm trying to figure out the distance. Before I knew it, I got hit with a two-piece to the face mask. Bip, bip. <laughs> then I got dropped in the heat because you headbutted me. The first guy I saw was Isaac Bruce. He was standing on the other side of the field just laughing like I saw that. And so I'm thinking, man, maybe Jackie's dirty. But what I learned after when I started to play a little bit more was that's not dirty. That's game speed. That's what the NFL is about. This is how they play. They play for keeps on every single play. So it wasn't about being dirty or being rough in practice. It was about getting ready for game day. Game day is a whole different animal. Exactly. It, it, it certainly is. And, and as I said, I, I always wanted to chase the rhythm that I thought I would need on Sundays. I, I didn't want to practice and then have to turn it up in the games. I, I wanted that when I was playing football, I was always playing football. Mm-hmm. I was always playing football and trying to get ready and trying to win. And, and so if you make it a habit, I, I found that if you make it a habit of winning, trying to win, then you're going to have a lot of success when it really matters, when other people are all of a sudden trying to win. You know, I like that. It seems like today we're trying to, to not hit as much, but from a guy that played 20 seasons, I mean, getting yourself ready for game day, that actually makes a lot more sense. You know what I mean? Well, Why, yeah. why should Sunday be a shock? Exactly. I, 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 for me, it, it's very difficult to imagine myself, even in a sophisticated offense like the one that Coach McVay is running, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to imagine myself being successful because he, I know he takes care of his guys. He, he doesn't let them play in the preseason. And I don't know what they do in practice and everything relative to a lot of hitting, but I know if you don't play in the preseason, you know, I felt like the preseason games were a necessary evil to me. And I, I had to get in the games to, to, to get my game honed, all aspects of it. I mean, I, I would, there, there, were never, there were times that I would never chop block one of my teammates in practice. I would yeah. never do that. And there were times that I would never, you know, let a hand slip from the chest to the throat and squeeze. <laughs> I had to, I, if I got a chance to do those things in, in the preseason game, then, yeah. then I, then I yeah. could hone them and I could use them and I could get my penalties in the preseason or, or find out what was wrong or what was not, what was working. And, and that way I could take my full arsenal into the regular season and try to so my goal was to always have the Los Angeles Rams to win at the right tackle spot. Mm-hmm. And I felt like if, if I did that consistently, then every year when the coaches do what they always do, which is evaluate the team, the talent and see where we need to improve that when they looked at the right tackle spot, they would say, okay, let's go to the next spot because we know that that's, that's going to work for us. And that's pretty much what happened for 20 straight seasons. And I just have to comment when you said put your hand around a guy's throat and squeeze, your whole demeanor didn't change. I mean, I've never heard somebody, like, describe that so casually. (laughs) 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 Now people get to see what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, that was my first rep against him. So um, always want the right tackle to win. And about Sean McVay, if he had a right tackle like you, on this team right now, I bet he would change his game plan. I, I, I would. I mean, he would have to. I mean, when you have a guy like you, a Mauler, a guy that's that can go from Mauler to finesse in a heartbeat, uh, that's the thing that impressed me so much about you. Uh, one more story. Uh, when I was still in college, one of our guys, uh, one of our seniors, 
was playing for the Seahawks. He had just left us and he played for the Seahawks. So he gave us a bunch of tickets and it just so happens he was lined up against you. So we were out there, go Tyrone. Oh my God, get up Tyrone. Oh my God, Tyrone, are you okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? And this is a senior. This is a guy that's been throwing people around for four years. And I'm like, oh, Jackie is just treating this dude like a rag doll. That's what the league is like. So yeah, man, but winning for 20 years, being that guy, your approach to the game, when you got the knock on the door for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, when, when you started your your candidacy, um, were you ever nervous about not getting in after 20 years into Absolutely. the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. In fact, um, that's interesting, and I will share with you that <clears throat> I played in the last college all-star game that they had back in Skokie, Illinois. It was a game that featured the defending Super Bowl champions against this recently drafted group of guys, you know, from all over the country, guys like Mike Haynes and Archie Griffin and Chuck Muncie, myself, we, we all played in that game together. When I got there to that game, DeMarco, I was the only African-American offensive lineman there. And I was third string at every position, center guard and tackle on both sides. Wow. And uh, we were doing Sid Gilman, the hall of famer and Arab Parsegian were, were the, were the head coaches and the offensive line coaches. And, and we were just in, bowl mode. It was all walking around and touching people that you're supposed to block and everything. And I had never, ever done that in my life. And, you know, in college, when I played with Walter Payton, Walter Payton got struck in practice on, on several occasions. And, and our quarterbacks got sacked in practice in some of our wow. drills. So it was a, it was a totally different environment coming from there to that bowl game environment where one step and touch and I'm thinking, okay, well, I just got married. I got everything I own in a green footlocker back here in my room. They got, and I'm getting behind two weeks before I go to camp. And they got me stepping and touching. Wow. And so I, I, I decided to get them about that time. The whistle blew, and we were going to go down to where we would do a little bit more scrimmage and get a little bit more physical. Mm-hmm. Well, on the way down there, Sid Gilman told me, he said, Jackie, he said, he said, we do our hitting down here. He said, you came off the ball 200. We don't, we don't want to do that. And I'm thinking, my God, what, what, how, how am I going to make it? I'm thinking about leaving there and going to camp so I can compete. Well, anyway, I thought about it, and I went on, and I came out the next day, and I said, hey, man, I'm not getting any reps. I only get about two or three reps when we go down to the, to the scrimmage here, so I got to get my reps here. So I told the guy, I said, hey, man, I'm coming off. And I did the same thing. Sid jumped in, stopped the drill. I had five straight one-on-one drive blocks during that period of time. Wow. And then I'm, I'm, you know, last I got after the first couple of guys, but the last couple, you got guys like Steve Niehaus and Leroy Selman and guys like that. Yeah. And <clears throat> the last couple of guys, they flipped me around pretty good. Well, I'm tired and we go down to now the hitting part. So I guess Sid was going to show me and he told me, get in there at right guard because I was tired, man. Yeah. But, but, the, but the thing that he didn't realize or nobody realizes that I had worked up a lather by this time. <laughs> so if you give me nine or ten straight opportunities, I want to be all about. And that's what right. happened. They moved me to the starting right guard spot. And, and from that point on, DeMarco, I, I felt like, okay, this is what you have to do with the big guys consistently i got the right attitude i just got to consistently do it what year was that 
This was in 1976. 1976. Okay, so by 1994, you forgot how to get warning about I'm coming off the ball. You just kind of just did it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was my warning when I'm seven yards back. Oh, so Jackie's coming hard well, right you now. You were yeah. a pro, and I assumed that you knew exactly what you were doing. So I, I, said, I still I, had tape with my name on my helmet, Jackie. <laughs> I'm not a pro yet. I'm in between here, man. Uh, I, will, Pete, I, I will admit, DeMarco, yeah. that after seeing you move around as a youngster, and seeing you inside over those guards, when, when I saw you, I thought to myself, what, the first thing I began to do is analyze what I thought your strengths were relative to the way you were physically built. When you first saw me? Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. And so what I, what, I, what, I, what I concluded right away was this guy's a dynamically explosive off the ball. First two or three steps can kill you dead if you don't do it right. And then he's probably not real rangy once he takes that two or three steps and gets up the field. And so what I tried to do was play you based on what I thought anatomically your strengths were. See, look, you you had me dialed in from the word go. I knew it. See, I, I knew it. From the sometimes, word go. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I was wrong about it, but not too often. I'm trying to figure out. The, this man has 18 years ago experience on me. See what I mean? I'm trying to figure out where the bathroom is, and he's already broken me down. Uh, but you're exactly right. You know, and, and between you and Tom Newberry and Leo Goez, oh my uh, the guys that were on that team on that offensive line, uh, you were the guys that taught me how to work and not fight. How to work to win, but don't embarrass. Right. You know That's what I mean? Right. We're, we're all trying to get better out here. Awesome. So, yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a big deal. Hey, uh, on this podcast, we do this thing, and there's so many plays with you, 259 games. And they gave me a stat, 24 quarterbacks and 37 running backs in 20 seasons. I mean, that's that's a ton. That's a ton. And you've had a lot of success. When I went back through your career, and this is funny, uh, about NFL players past and present, we all think the league started and ends with us. But watching your career and how great and how dominant the, the L.A. Rams were in the 80s and moving into the 90s, and then when the wheels kind of came off and then everything else happened, but winning the NFC West and going to the playoffs every single year and just having so much success. We do this thing on this pod and it's fun. If you could pick one play, my favorite play, when you look back at something specific in your career, I know there was a lot, but if there's one play that stands out the most, take your time and describe it a little bit for us. If there's one play that you can remember that stands out above all. Oh man, that, that is that is one heck of a question, man, because, you know, when you get to be my age, you know, you have a tendency to, to, to look back and, and I, and I find myself often, you know, lying in bed or sitting when I'm alone, it's quiet and my mind drifts to my career. I think about some of the great players uh, that I had to play against some of the unique uh, talented guys, some of the hall of fame guys, you know, I played against guys like, Howie Long and Mark Gastineau and, and Tutal Jones and I mean Fred Dean and Ooh. I mean and Reggie White and and, and oh. the list and the list Ray Childress. I, I think about those guys and I and I and I marvel at how I was able to get through. <laughs> you know, I, I marvel yeah. at how I was able to get through playing against guys like that and not get embarrassed. But I think one of the things that I would think that I would put my finger on is. <clears throat> You know, we played uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and it wasn't the game in Philadelphia in the playoffs where we beat them and nobody expected us to. And I kind of neutralized Reggie White. 
they came to Anaheim Stadium and Reggie White at this time was darn near pretty much unblockable. I mean, this guy was dominating people like you wouldn't believe. And I remember after this game was over with, I remember us sitting in the meeting room and our offensive line coach, one of the best of all time, Hudson Howe, he went through the film and then about four different times as he went through that film, he would point out something I did and he said, we can't do this. The room was full of young men and he young, much younger guys. And he said, we can't do this. This is going to get our quarterback killed. We can't make plays like this. And each time it was me doing something that he did not teach. Well, he did it four times because I chopped the, I got the guy on the ground four times. But what happened was I chopped Reggie White. He hit the ground. He got up running and Jim Everett still had the ball in his hand. And then Jim threw the ball and Reggie would touch him on the back and look downfield. That happened four times on seven step drops in that game. And every time I did it, Hudson would call me out in front of those young offensive linemen. Then he said, I I need to talk to you, Jackie. And he had everybody leave the room. And when they left the room, I'm thinking, okay. He walked up to me after the door closed when the last guy walked out and he shook my hand and he said, hell of a job. He said, you know why I had to get on you in front of this group of guys about what you did? And I said, yeah, I, I think I understand. He said, no, the reason why I had to get on you and come down on it is because most of the guys in this room would not have been thinking the way you were thinking. You only mm. chopped this guy when he, at 315 pounds, was running fast as he could, full speed. And then you chopped him, and his momentum kept him on the ground for another second and a half. And by the time he got up and ran toward the quarterback, it was too late. He said, right. but if, I, if, if, if one of these young guys tried to do that against him and didn't time it right and didn't think through it just right, we got a dead quarterback. So you wow. understand. And he shook my hand, and, and it was one of those moments where I've always felt like, yeah, you got to be technically sound. You got to do things right, but you got to know your opponent. You got to be able to look at body builds and recognize what their strengths are. You got to understand uh, momentum and, and how to handle and manage momentum. And so these are some things I took a lot of pride in. And nobody else was thinking about chopping Reggie White on seven step drop on a grass field in Anaheim, but me. But I knew exactly when to do it. And, and I was just so pleased that it worked out the way it did. Well, n- yeah, nobody was crazy enough to try. <laughs> you know, you paid a heavy price if you tried to cut Reggie and it didn't work out for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I did. I caught the tail end of that because I think we went to Green Bay in 94 when I was a rookie and you and him were tangling again. And it seemed like it was a g- the game was over here and it was just you two in another battle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was it was I think you shut him out for the first half. And it was the first time I've seen Reggie White come out of the locker room straight meat. He had took he took off all his tape. <laughs> Reggie was visibly frustrated. And then you got hurt and we had to put in Wayne Gandy. And it was good night, Irene, from there. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty much the way I remember that outing. Uh, it, it was a, it was a different time for me. I was I was yeah. a, little, a little bit longer in the tooth at that time. And uh and uh, I recognized that Reggie was still playing at a very, very high level. And so there was no doubt about it. It, it was it's not going to be standard operational protocol relative to the coaches and what they were asking me to do. It was about understanding what we were trying to do schematically and making yeah. sure that this guy didn't impact 
impact us in a negative way. All I remember is Reggie had a big old donut stat-wise for that first half, and it was just you and him going. It was it was fun for me to watch that live. Like I felt like I had the best seat in the house for like a heavyweight battle. It was great, <laughs> man. Um, I cannot let you get out of here without talking about your son a little bit, Matt Slater. Uh, uh, he's he's been in New England his entire career and nine-time Pro Bowler, three-time Super Bowl champion. How about uh, that? How about that? I mean, you you've just got to be so proud of him. I, I am. I am. I think I'm probably more a little bit more amazed. I'm a little bit more amazed because, you know, my son, you know, he, he grew up watching what I did and and wanting to do it. And I didn't I discouraged it because he he was a small, smaller guy. And, you know, I didn't I just didn't see uh, he had wore glasses and he had, uh, you know, asthma and everything else. And I'm thinking, you know, this we, we need to do baseball and track and field or something if he's fast enough to do it. And mm-hmm. and he was you know, a good enough athlete. And I, I mostly encouraged him academically. And that was one of the reasons why he went to UCLA and, uh, and, and all of that. But, you know, <clears throat> the young man has an, has an unbelievable work ethic. He has an unbelievable respect for the people that are playing this game because he was around a lot of different, my teammates over the years. And, and he knew how hard people were working. He saw people dealing with injuries and all that stuff. He had, and he has a he has a respect for the game, and he believes that there's a right way to do do it, and and that's what he's tried to do. And and you know, he, he rarely ever has had to ask me for any advice. He's just consistently done things the right way. And I and I, my wife and I, we as you said, we're very proud of him and. And thankful also that that the National Football League has provided him an opportunity to just like it did me to use the God given abilities that we have in a sport that we love playing. Every now and then, when I do watch him play, uh, he was just here this past year uh, in SoFi. Mm-hmm. Um, when he gets on his man on special teams, and a credit to him and you that he's made an unglamorous position special teamer a glamour spot. So much so that the Rams went out and drafted a Matt Slater clone. You know what I mean? So he's made that spot his own. But every now and then when I see him get on the block, he always gets on the right shoulder. And I could see your influence. He may not have asked you about how to block guys, uh-huh. but every now and then I see that like a, a, a mini version of Jackie out there blocking <laughs> on special teams, which, which is scary. <laughs> That that's really interesting. I, I I just never thought he'd handle the physical rigors of the sport the way he, as well as he has. But but I I gotta I gotta give it to him. He he has really he's really been a hard worker. He he pounds the gym like like nobody else. He does all the running that they ask him to do, and he he's, he takes a lot of pride. He probably wouldn't want me saying this, but he said, Dad, you know. I've been around here nine years and I'm still the fastest guy here. <laughs> so he takes, a, he takes a lot of pride in that. And, 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 and it, and he has a great work ethic and that that's what I think you need to have to survive in a sport like this, man. But he's, you know, I was right about the one part of it, me not wanting him to deal with it because of his size, because he's had his share of injuries, as you might imagine, he's yeah. playing the position that he plays is, is uh, almost as bad as what I was doing. Uh, it's like a car wreck all the time. So yeah, it comes with this, with this downfalls as well. But, but we, we get to steer the car, you know, so it is, it is kind of fun that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I have to say this about, 
and I love Andrew Whitworth. 15 seasons in the National Football League is impressive, but it's hard for me to be like over the moon because I played with you. I played with a dude that's done it for 20 seasons. So I, I still see Andrew Whitworth as, well, you've got some way to go, a, a little bit more to go before I have to give you that what in the world Jackie Slater respect. <laughs> but he's, he's a talent, man. I mean, to play that long in the trenches is, is very impressive. You've got to be impressed as well. Well, I'm certainly impressed with him. And uh, I made the statement a couple of times this past year, you know, when he was out and all of that and rehabbing, you know, uh, the guys is a valuable part of what Coach McVay has tried to do here. Coach McVay is, you know, everybody views him as a very smart guy that uh, generally makes good decisions uh, with what with what he wants to do in the field and the people he wants to deploy to do it. But there's this one element that he wasn't able to provide, and that was experience and worth ethic, work ethic dis on display. And so when you look at a guy like Andrew Whitworth, who has been around as long as he has, who is obviously keeping himself physically fit the way he needs to be, strong enough to be able to do the job, and then working as hard as anybody else. This is the type of guy that when you have a young team like the Rams have, the second youngest team in pro football, I think, you need to have a guy like that who works hard, who who talks the talk and walks the walk. And, and that's what Andrew has done. He, is, he has said this is the way you have to do it. And he has done it the way you have to do it. And then he shows up on Sundays and he does it again. And so his contribution to what has happened over the last three, four years here in Los Angeles is, is immeasurable. Uh, and fairy tale endings. Um, when they ask me, well, like, what's the coolest moment in my life of football? One of them is carrying you off the field in St. Louis. Wow. That was awesome. It was. I said, Jackie may not even know my first name. <laughs> But I understand what this moment is about, man. You are never going to see a guy that plays 20 years with one football team. Not in this NFL. Wow. And not in not on the offensive line. No way. Wow. So that is a fairy tale end. That was that was an unbelievable day for me. And and as you know, DeMarco, I had uh, I busted up my my tricep and uh, yeah. had a torn tricep. And so probably shouldn't have even been in the game. But uh, you know. It was important for me. It was important for the coach at that time and who felt it was important for the organization that I that I play that 20th season, the inaugural season of the Rams in St. Louis. And, and I did it. And and, uh, you know, when when someone got the idea to pick my big butt up and take <laughs> <me> out, <laughs> when they got the idea to do that, I mean, <laughs> so, somebody had to somebody had to volunteer to be underneath that load. Oh, yeah. I had the right cheek. And uh, after about five steps, I'm like, OK, when are we going to put him down? <laughs> but that, that was a big moment, man. But hey, Jackie, thank you for joining us, man. Oh, man. This this has been huge for me and this has been huge for us. Uh, you're an icon. You, you, your numbers retired. Um, when we started talking about doing a podcast called Rams Iconic, the first name that came up is you because we're all still chasing you no matter what we've done for this franchise or in this league, I mean, it, it's, you still dwarf us. You know what I mean? You're still larger than life. And I'm, I'm so glad every time we get to catch up and see each other at, at functions or I see you on TV, uh, you know, chopping it up. I just love seeing it. I love telling stories and uh, thank you for joining us on, on Rams Iconic, man. I really appreciate it. Glad I can do it, DeMarco. 
no doubt. Uh, that's a wrap on another episode of Rams Iconic. Thanks to all our fans for tuning in. And do us a favor, hit that subscribe button uh, to be notified when new episodes drop. You can also leave us a review and let us know which Rams icons you would like to hear from next. Um, look, this is always, this is fun for me. So help us out. And before you know it, the 2021 season will be upon us. And we cannot wait for you to step inside the Rams house with us. There's still time to be among the first to experience SoFi Stadium, and you guys have got to see this. To join us and purchase tickets, uh, visit therams.com slash 2021. That's rams.com slash 2021. Big thanks to what in the world? Give me a what in the world. What in the world? <laughs> what in the world? Jackie Slater for joining us today. I'm DeMarco Farr. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on Rams Icon. My man.